and it's me, Skylar. And we're here today with Carter Mogren. Hello. This is Teachers Talk. And today we're going to talk to you about work-life balance. The most important uh, aspect of work. <laughs> Currently, Skylar and I are sharing a microphone and it's really great. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun here today. Well, like we said, we're going to talk about work-life balance and all the good things around that. We know that teachers today are known to leave the profession within five years, and we want to stop that from happening. It is my, oh my gosh, fourth. fourth. Am I going on my fourth year? Uh, yeah, 17. Four years I've been teaching. I don't have any plans of quitting anytime soon. <laughs> Skylar? Um, I I am in my second year. Um, I also don't plan on quitting anytime soon, um, <laughs> but it. I love my job. I really do. Um, but it, it does take a lot to balance work and life. And since Taylor and I are both getting our master's, we um, have no balance right now. Um, <laughs> but we brought in Carter Mogren to kind of tell us about how she balances her work life because she's been doing this for... I'm starting my 11th year. Oh, my Yay! gosh. Look at you. Yeah. Amazing. So Carter is my mentor teacher. This is Taylor talking. She was my lead teacher my very first year and I learned everything I know from her. Literally, I'm not even kidding. So you are hearing from an expert here today. So Carter, oh, wow. do you want to tell us about <laughs> tell us about yourself? Sure. So I'm going to my 11th year of teaching with no intent, just like you, yep. and, and stopping every year when we have our intent to return that we sign. <laughs> yes. I always yep. say, you'll have to push me out in my wheelchair when I'm 90 years old. Accurate. <laughs> yeah, I do love it. Um, so did you say, tell me about yourself? Yeah, tell okay. me about your life outside of school as well. Okay. I am, uh, in addition to teacher, I'm a mom, a wife. I have two daughters that go to our school. I feel so fortunate that they are able to get the, this education. Oh, I think our school is so special. Yeah. And um, I have a husband, Sam, that um, is wonderful, travels half the time, so that plays into my work-life balance. And yeah. I also, I love cooking. I love eating, (laughs) traveling and volunteering. I think that's so important that you have passions outside of your work when you're trying to find the work-life balance. Absolutely. And this summer you did a few vacations. You want to name a few that you did? Sure. Yeah. We started out right as school ended with doing a three-week family road trip, seeing our favorite uh, friends and family that we haven't seen due to COVID. And um we went to Cape Cod. We've. I'm getting ready to go to Chicago. Awesome. It's really nice to get out of the heat in Arizona. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, especially as these uh, monsoons start to roll in a little bit. Yeah. Humidity. <laughs> the humidity mostly. <laughs> but that's great. So tell us then how you got into teaching. Okay. So I actually I started in college with a degree or. Um, seeking a degree in education and I was talked out of it by teachers including um, family and friends that had taught and with comments like um, you can work twice as hard as the teacher in the classroom next to you and get paid the same and there's not much room for advancement and really I want to be able to support myself and not have to worry on a sp- about a spouse so I switched my degree to communication because I wasn't sure quite what I wanted to do and got into advertising and did that for 10 years and it was 
really interesting and exciting, but over time I realized it wasn't my passion. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, every time, my husband and I moved around quite a bit during that time, and every time we moved, I thought, what is it that I want to do? Do I want to get back into advertising? So I really was on a five-plus-year search on what it is I was passionate about. And it was funny because one day, I would say eight years into doing that, into working um, in that field, like teaching clicked back into my head. Mm-hmm. And I went on a walk with my husband. I remember telling him I was, I remember being nervous telling him I wanted to switch careers because mm-hmm. that meant a significant pay cut. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, yeah, I really, I really think I want to teach and change careers. And he said, of course, that's what I always thought you would do, which shocked me because I hadn't talked about it in years. Uh, So I went and I got my master's while I was still working full time. And then in the thick of all of that, I was got pregnant. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It was a crazy time to figure out work life sure. balance. Yeah. I mean, for us getting our masters right now, I literally can't imagine having no. a child <laughs> at the same time. So yeah. good on you. Are you that. glad you did it? Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. I know. Becoming a teacher has been the best decision of my life. I agree. Yeah. I love it. You know, I will say that my father um, flew for Southwest since I was in second grade. And he always said, I hope you find a job that you love as much as I love mine. And when I started working, I thought, that is just something people say. <laughs> like, no one really right, loves most. their job. Yeah. But when I started teaching, I I thought, yeah, this is it. Yeah. My husband went through a similar process trying to figure out what he wanted to do because he was in industrial supply chain management. Mm-hmm. And he flies now. And we both have these jobs that we love that we would do for free yeah. and it that is huge and I think that's so significant and trying to ha- find a work-life balance it makes it so much easier when you start out with something that you truly love yeah I mean it's cheesy they all say it where you never work a day in your life if you do what you love yes and my parents say that they see the passion in my eyes with teaching and I think that's true with both of you yeah. here and I hope my worry is that teachers are not achieving this work-life balance and therefore it's driving them out of the field. And I don't want to see us lose any more wonderful, wonderful educators mm-hmm. because we need them now more than ever. Yes. So, yes, we work at the same school. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that haven't caught on. But, Carter, can you tell us about your work culture? Our work culture. <laughs> Our work yes. culture. Because yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I agree, and that is something that I feel so fortunate to have, to be a part of this school community that has a positive work culture. I think that's another reason that I really love what I do. I don't think, I, I ask myself sometimes if I would be as passionate about what I do had I not had jobs that I did not enjoy. Mm -hmm. So some of my jobs in advertising were great, but some companies I worked at had a really terrible, toxic culture. And so I feel like I appreciate this particular place even more because I know what it could be. I know the difference between a toxic culture Mm -hmm. and a really strong, positive culture. So our school, I love 
because they're consistently pushing me to be um, a lifelong learner. Yeah. So, for example, I'm, you might have talked about this in one of your prior podcasts, but every <laughs> Wednesday we have training, and it's not just on teaching. We'll do things to enrich our soul. And so I always say at this particular school, it's made me not only a better teacher, but Mm -hmm. a better wife, a better mother, a better human. Yeah, we've mentioned on previous episodes how it wasn't until we started working at our school that we became true lifelong learners and we developed a passion for bettering bettering ourselves in this realm of education. Yeah. Yeah, I came like I came from a culinary background and I would I will say I was miserable I I the culture in which I worked in I was yelled at constantly which I am not the person that can take that well um I don't think there are many people that can that's true <laughs> I mean there are chefs that can take being yelled at which that was just not my thing and so coming from that to and then I worked at a preschool and even there that culture there was kind of the same too you were kind of scolded for taking a day off or or being sick even it was kind of it was awful but um I just see where we're at now and the positivity that Mm -hmm. we're surrounded by and like you said we're we we have become lifelong learners because of where we're teaching and I fully believe that yeah and the other thing I'm sorry to interrupt no that's exactly what I was gonna say okay that I think is makes our culture different than most places is that they promote the fact that if you truly love and care for someone you are honest with them and you'll have those Mm -hmm. difficult conversations but in a kind and loving way do you have any resources or things that you've read to help prepare you for those conversations (laughs) because they are hard yes and I have myself gone through them in the past and I just felt like I wasn't equipped Mm -hmm. properly and I would love to know if you have any tips or tricks well the one that I read that really helped me was Jack Welch's book he was the CEO of GE for General Electric for years and I remember I listened to it on tape and his theme was always candor and so I can still hear him in his New York accent <laughs> thick, talking about candor being something that's so important to help people grow and to establish a positive culture. Yeah, the first thing that Carter did with me, it was over the summer. It was my first year, so it was like 2017. I remember we met at Sip Coffee House. I remember. And she sat me down and she said, I want you to know that if there's ever a time where we need to have an open and honest conversation that I'm going, I respect you enough to do that. And I hope that you understand. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you said that because there have been times where you don't want to have those conversations, but you need to. And they're so, so good for you and for your classroom. Yes, Kids notice everything. That's true. So even if you don't have a TA, maybe you have a coworker that you need to have an open and honest conversation with or someone from administration, check out that book. It's a great resource. Yeah, and I would say that's a lesson even that's great for children. My daughter, when she was in third grade, had to have a difficult conversation Mm -hmm. with or was having um, 
a conflict with a friend. And so I coached her through starting those conversations. And I asked her the next, I said, you know, if you, I know you love her. And so you need to have that honest conversation. And it's, it's always hard to start, but you're always, always feel better after. Mm -hmm. So I asked her that next day after school, how did it go? And she goes, the most difficult part was trying to find the first few words to say. And I was like, yeah, even for adults. Absolutely. Even for me, Maddie, that's the most, the hardest part. But aren't you so glad you did? And she said, oh, yeah, we figured out a solution. Good. At third grade. I was going to say, (laughs) thank you for coaching your child in that. And it's so important. It really is. Mm -hmm. And I hope to someday be able to do that for my kids. So anything else on that culture that you want to talk about? With our school. I don't think I have anything else to add. Perfect. Just positivity. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. So then can you kind of walk us through what a typical work day looks like for you? Sure. (laughs) I, because my husband travels, I typically show up with my daughters in the morning and I'll put them to work helping me like sharpen pencils in the classroom Uh, and then I'll review the day's lessons and then meet and greet with the students in the morning I think that's so important to look them in the eye shake their hand and then walk around the classroom as we have them do gratitude journals I think you've spoken on that and just talking about what they're grateful for the day um checking in on their weekend but just that one-on-one connection is something that's um, important to not pass up even if you feel like oh I need to look at this math lesson or Mm -hmm. this I want I really have this need to check my email right to put all of that aside and just focus on them and I think that's an important part of our school culture too because that's something that we're I don't want to say required to do, but they ask us to always be at our door to greet the students, which yeah. I love that I agree. we are supposed to be doing that. <laughs> so during the COVID protocols or for pro- the protocols, we were asked to not shake students' hands. And I noticed that it made a big impact on my students' demeanors this year. Like I felt a much stronger connection when I was able to shake their hands and say yes. good morning yeah. yes. because they're able to look you in the eyes and say, hello, good morning, how are you? And yeah. it really sets the tone for the day. I agree. All right. Um, well, you know, there's instruction throughout yes, the day. I try really hard to use my planning time super efficiently, speaking to that work-life balance mm-hmm. so that I'm not having to do extra at home when, if possible. And then I do like to set time aside for lunch with friends, coworkers and friends, just to, uh, that's actually speaking to the culture and something that, that is important is connection with the people that you work with. So you're developing those, those friendships. Can I interrupt you? I was just going to say, Carter has been so good about pulling me away from my work and out of the classroom because there have been times, especially my first year where I'd be in my classroom eating lunch, working on things. And she'd say, oh, are you going to join us today in the lunchroom? And I was like, oh, I really, I need to start doing that more often. And so I started going in. We were having conversations, and I just felt closer to everybody. And it's yeah. nice to take a step away from everything. Yeah. And then you pass that along to me, I feel Good. like. I feel like I was, I mean, as a TA, whenever I would 
have to take over if you were gone, Mm -hmm. I found myself eating in the classroom because I was like, I'm so behind on whatever I needed to do. But then this year, being a lead, I felt like I was able to go have lunch with everyone, which you need to get out of your classroom. (laughs) You're in there all day. Yeah, you feel like mentally refreshed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Get that second half of the day going. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And then at the end of the day, what is your wrap-up? typically look like well I mean it's changed over time honestly this my daughter my oldest has started swim and we had swim lessons right after school so this year it was like bye kids (laughs) (laughs) and we would run out the door someday I mean so I but that being said like right after the students left because I had to leave on certain days I was um more efficient with mm-hmm. my time during those days, knowing that I had to leave straight right. away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and and honestly, I'm fine for myself. I'm much more productive and energized in the morning than after school. So if I'm going to do something that requires more mental stamina, I definitely do that in the morning. Mm-hmm. With the afternoon, if I'm going to stay later, it's like little things like that don't require a lot of mental energy, maybe some organizing. I have to say, I love the fact that you can leave so quickly. (laughs) I aspire to be like that because I don't want to be – that's how you burn out. You know, you're there until 5, 6 o'clock, and you're, like, drained afterward. So can we focus more on your planning periods? Like, what do you do that makes you efficient? Well, let's see. There's so many things you can do. I would say, I think it was year four, I felt um, that I needed to find more efficiency. And so I spent, I always pick a theme over the summer to work on. The last summer was math. Mm -hmm. Um, But that summer between my third year and my fourth year was efficiency. Mm -hmm. And... I started by making two lists. I made a first list, w- list, which was the top 10 things that I spend my time on on a weekly, on a typical basis, on a typical day. And then the second list is where I took that top 10 list and I arranged the topics from those that are the most in- positively impactful for the students to the least. Mm-hmm. And so I took that bottom of the list that like five items at the bottom that were the items that really did not positively impact the students and I focused on those to make those more efficient can we just pause and say that your priority is the student Mm -hmm. and thank you (laughs) (laughs) because you didn't think about yourself in that moment you thought about how you're going to impact everyone else which is great yeah and then I'm assuming because we did this activity um Carter kind of taught a mini lesson to the teachers and I remember doing this activity and I think everyone's top was parent emails was our top <laughs> thing that we do throughout the week but it's at the bottom of yes the the impact list, the impact list. so mm-hmm. I think that's and I'm sure you'll say something about that but that was my biggest thing I was like oh my gosh the amount of time I spend on parent emails is ridiculous that's exactly right and then like parsing out what types of parent emails are the most impactful mm-hmm. to the least impactful I found that I was spending a lot of time emailing parents about homework 
because the student was sick, um, and then getting the homework to the sibling at the school was something else during my day that was taking a lot of time, collecting a child's work and then getting it to the sibling. Um, and then also maybe the child needed a study guide and they didn't have their study guide complete. That was another example of something that wasn't really impactful to the students as a whole. And then I just worked on finding solutions for those things. So that's when we I started the Google Drive for parents for our um, for the second grade, and we uploaded all of the spelling words for the parents. We uploaded the math workbook pages for the parents, all study guides, all PowerPoints of history and science lessons, and then we. The other thing that we started doing is taking pictures of the homework every day that they would write in the planner. And, ju and just by making that change, it cut down my emails by over 80%. Wow. Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. so that's one thing I'd recommend on a work-life balance is figuring out what is inefficient and then finding ways to be more efficient with those things. And I'm sure that up front, it's a lot of work to get all of those things downloaded onto a drive, but worth it, you would say, in the end. Yes, yeah. and it really just took some training when parents would email you to just send them back to Google Drive over and over. And it really, it just took like a week or so of training them on where to find those resources mm -hmm. and break habits of wanting to hold their hand. Mm -hmm. On certain things, like, you know, they wanted you to get the homework to the sibling, mm -hmm. but you just had to stay um, focused <laughs> right. and get them trained on how to find that information. And honestly, it's really a win-win because as a parent, I liked it. I know a lot of other parents liked it because they didn't have to send emails and wait for a reply. They could just go right to the resource. So it was something that helped me, it helped the students, and it helped the parents. A win-win-win. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know that my parents are still using that. All Not my actual <laughs> parents, my students' parents are using it on a consistent basis. But also, one other thing is don't go at it alone, right? Would you say that you divided it with your team? Because this was before Skylar and I were Yes. even thought of at this you school. Know, <laughs> at that same that same year is when we did shared planning. So really, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't keep my own planning document. We have one document that we share for a whole team and we divide and conquer responsibilities on the team. And really, it's pretty cool because if you go from classroom to classroom, we are all in lockstep. Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, that also, again, back to school culture, that speaks to our yes. kind of team culture. We're all in this together. And I, I, <laughs> I feel it. High School Musical, is that what you were thinking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I mean... When I went from, like, different schools where I did, what do you call it, practicum, mm -hmm. um, I never felt the same sense of, like, teamwork that I do feel at our school, yeah. which I I love so much. We share everything. Yeah. Everything. Any ideas we have, we share. So I think that that's huge as well. Yeah, ideas, lesson plans, like Carter was saying, they're all on a Google Drive for you to access, and you can walk into any one of our classrooms, and we will be teaching the same thing at the same moment yeah. and it's pretty special mm -hmm. 
Um, so at our school, we have each lead teacher has a teacher's assistant, which is very helpful. But how, and this is something that I know I need to work on as a second year teacher, <laughs> but how do you delegate responsibilities? Well, one thing that I do is I have a schedule that I go through with the teaching assistant at the beginning of every year that is broken down by there's two columns what I'm responsible for and what they're responsible for and then it's broken down by times and subjects so like when I'm doing this you're doing this when you're doing this I'm doing this and that really is tailored to what the teaching assistant wants like what their goal is long term so if I have a teaching assistant that's wanting to be a lead teacher then we'll meet and say what like what areas do you feel strong in what areas do you want to develop and um, how can I help you so for example when Taylor was my teaching assistant when she would she wanted to be a lead teacher so when she would teach certain subjects I was responsible for watching and listening and then making notes on what were what was her what her strengths were and what her areas of opportunity were and then we would go over that where go ahead I was just say so helpful like peer feedback is one of the most helpful things you can do as a teacher as a colleague and so when I have teaching assistants that are on that track then the the share of work for grading is a little more is different than when I have a teaching assistant that has does not want to be a lead teacher then they would do I would say the majority of their work would be more administrative where it's just a little bit more balanced when you have a teaching assistant that wants to be a lead teacher. But I think it's really important to go over who's responsible for what and when, Mm -hmm. and then also have weekly meetings, just even 15 minutes. I would recommend more like 30 minutes if you could swing it to touch base on how is everything going. And then also we would go through all the students that needed interventions. What, What do they need? Are they getting what they need? Let's look at their progress, like their reading progress or their math progress and see, is it working, is it not? And then make adjustments. Yeah. I'm going to throw one at you. Mm-hmm. What if, for a teacher listening out there that does not have a, a teacher apprentice or an assistant, mm-hmm. but they have a team, like a second grade lead team, how could you delegate tasks there? Or how could you break up the work? I would say... Just, I mean, I like what we do as a team and that we share responsibilities. So last year, let's see, I did math, Taylor did spelling, and, um, you know, we had, we broke up grammar, writing, poetry, poetry, the newsletter, (laughs) um, who was leading the status meetings and who was handling special events. So that's important to divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And then we also, because we teach both history and science, so we divide all of our subjects then, or 
I guess you would say top it, uh, units, units, units. Um, we divide those among the four lead teachers as well. So I was responsible for um, magnets this year and whatever else. And so we each have like five top uh, units that we're in charge of, which I think is um, delegating a lot of responsibilities so that not all of it is relied on for one person. And just in that short, those few short sentences, you can hear how many things a teacher has to take care of and I guess the biggest takeaway is please don't go at it alone know that you have a team and people to fall back on and work together with so please work with your team work with your administration get together and divide and conquer and if you have a culture you've developed a culture of candor and really of setting your bar high then you can also feel comfortable when you get together and get units from each other or lessons that you can discuss them Mm -hmm. as a team and discuss how to make them even better versus I think it's a lot of trust that you have to have for your team members to just get a unit and um, you know there's like this ownership that you have to relinquish but I think it would be important to have a healthy culture so that you could just um, talk about what you like about it mm-hmm. and then how you can make it even better. Yeah. No. So how long would you say it took you to create a healthy relationship with your work-life balance and be honest? Oh, I'll be <laughs> honest. Year one was rough. <laughs> well, and that being said, my first year of teaching was a first year at a brand new school. Mm-hmm. So it was brand new curriculum for everyone, not to mention like the curriculum wasn't really dialed in for everything. So we just had some vague guidelines for history and science. All of that had to be created from scratch. Meet the teacher night, for example, boards, whiteboards were being drilled up into the wall like an hour before the parents walked in. I had to go to Ikea with $500 and buy furniture for my classroom and build it. Oh my gosh. So that was my first year. I did not know this. (laughs) So, I mean, I really was up till midnight, many nights before, because I would be creating units from scratch. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, there just was not an infrastructure that would all had to be created from scratch. So year one was really rough. Year two, I remember thinking it was going to be 10 times better than year one, but I think I had my, my expectations so high that I felt like, no, I'm still, I'm still getting traction and still learning. Year two was definitely better, but I just, I think I expected it to be easier, but my goals for myself were higher and I mm-hmm. needed to mm-hmm. to adjust those. So I would say year three <laughs> was the year that I found like true work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still, I still had a, a balance because I still held on to what is dear to me. I mean, cause year one, I had a baby, so I went home, I went home and I like, I, I didn't do anything for work until she went to bed. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is still very important to our family is that we have 
breakfast together every morning and dinner together at the table every evening. Mm-hmm. But the the balance has gotten so much easier. Good. And I can say now that going into my fourth year, I've started, not with a yeah. master's, but I started to see the light where I can balance work and my life. <laughs> and I know it's just going to get easier from here, especially after we graduate. <laughs> In yeah. May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, work-life balance isn't a thing for me right now. It will be. <laughs> it will be. I'm going into year two, so I'm holding out hope. But if you went through a year like that and you still held on, I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I think if she can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> but, Carter, thank you so much. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You thank you. To us today. It has been amazing, and I hope all you teachers out there and people that aren't teachers that just need some work-life balance listen take notes and find that balance in your life that you know you can have thanks everyone mm-hmm. goodbye follow us. No, follow oh wait us. follow us <laughs> social media plug it, plug it. um okay so if you ever want to send us an email or tell us what we're not doing wrong but tell us what we're doing right um <laughs> you can send us a, an email i did this last time Dang. an email at teacherstalkpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram and DM us there which is Taylor teachers underscore talk underscore podcast yes on Instagram alright well we'll see you all next time bye, bye. goodbye <laughs>